Kathy Wood says Bitcoin is going to $1.5 million. And then her base case, the worst case scenario, is $625,000. Leading me to ask, what is Kathy Wood on and can I get some? No, but we're going to discuss today whether these are realistic predictions, whether this is just purely hyperbolic, top of her book, or whether we can really see Bitcoin at prices like that. Of course, I've got amazing guests today. Mark Yusko at the first half, and then the back half, we're going to have Christopher Inks of Texas West Capital. We're going to discuss this and more. $1.5 million Bitcoin. Talk dirty to me, Kathy. Let's go. Let's go. What's up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of Wall Street. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and drop whatever Kathy Wood is smoking right down on that like button. Actually, I, I'm here for it. I think we could go to $1.5 million. Sure, why not? I certainly think that $625,000 is possible. But why talk to myself about this when I have Mark Yusko in the wings? We're going to discuss it right now. $625,000 base case. Base case. Yeah. Why not? Why not? You know, and and again, apologies for the uh, the the background today. I'm uh, working remote, but um, look, the math of of Bitcoin is pretty easy, right? We're we're we we take the total market cap that we think is achievable. We divide by the number of coins that are still in circulation, and you get you get a number, and and everybody fixates on that number. But I always think it's it's the wrong number, right? Because it's it's in our currency. So you and I both know one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. It has been the entire time. That's what we're trying to move toward is a world where where Bitcoin is is the unit of, of measure. What we're talking about here is dollars per Bitcoin. And that price that everybody fixates on isn't so much Bitcoin getting better. It's actually our money, right, the dollar getting worse. It's, you know, like trying to buy a cup of coffee that, you know, used to be a quarter now is $5 or $6. That's, it's the same cup of coffee. It does the same thing. It delivers the same amount of caffeine, um, unless you put whatever Kathy's putting in hers. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, so yeah. The math of, of just pick a number, 500K, 600K. Let, let's do that math together. Where, where does that even come from? Well, if you, if you have a base case that the market cap of Bitcoin should roughly equal gold's market cap, okay, That's a reasonable assumption. If we say that Bitcoin is digital gold and it plays the role of base money, Right, money as we know it is really a small thing. It's it's gold. And what do you, what, Mark? What do you mean? I, I use cash. No, that's that's debt. That's a currency, but it's not money. Money is an asset that exists in the absence of a liability. The only thing in the world that that does that for five thousand years is is gold. Now people have you know dabbled with other stuff, but but ultimately all the other stuff that we think of as money is backed by debt. It's it's currency. And that's why it ultimately devalues and ultimately inflates away and why 
in the history of the world, there have been 775 paper currencies. Three quarters of them no longer exist. I mean, they literally went away. And the same is happening in real time to the dollar, which is why Larry Fink, Larry Fink, like not exactly, you know, Joe from some, you know, uh, Twitter handle. We're talking one of the most powerful people in the world manages, you know, he's in charge of a company that manages close to 10 trillion with a T dollars said that you should put some money in Bitcoin in my ETF, of course, <laughs> that will protect you from devaluation of the currency. We actually said it. And so this is a long answer, Scott, to how do you get to 625? I mean, that's just 20X market cap from here, right? So gold is 20X our market cap, easy, 600, done. Exactly. No, no, that's it. And, and that's all it is. And now the one adjustment I, I make is the total market cap of gold is 11 trillion. Okay. Total market cap. And you know we're about half a trillion in in Bitcoin. So total market cap. Actually, are, what are we higher than that? What is? I think it's six or seven hundred. I've got it here. Seven hundred. Yeah, I mean, yeah, somewhere yeah. in the ballpark. I, I can get it. Yeah, the whole total now is at one point two. So yeah, we've grown. Yeah. It's uh, five eighty one, oh. five hundred eighty one billion. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so six hundred. So no, let's just let's 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 round let's round gold to to twelve because it probably is, and. And your 20x is right. 20x. But but here's the thing. Half of that gold isn't money. It's jewelry and chalices and you know gold leaf and, and stuff that, that isn't really used as a monetary base. So that half is six trillion. That's a 10x from here. Current price of 30, 10x is 300k. Okay. 300k. To me is, is is so easy. We don't even have to debate because the idea of of Bitcoin being better than gold as a store of value, as a unit of account, as more portable. Like I say all the time, if I if I had a bar of gold, which maybe at my other house I, I do, but but you know if I had a bar of gold and I wanted to break it in half and send you half. I'm not strong enough to break the bar of gold, first of all. Second, I couldn't stuff it in the computer to send to you. I want to send you some Bitcoin. You know, I punch a couple of buttons and, and you got Bitcoin. We're done. So that's a superior store of value and medium of exchange. So I believe Bitcoin gold equivalence is a no-brainer. Now, when? Tomorrow? Next day? I don't really care. Sometime in the future... That's easy. So that's that 300K number. I, I've been using 250K because there's- yeah, well, I think, well, yeah, I mean, last cycle, I thought we'd get to like 235, 250, by the way. So maybe I was just a cycle too early, but we'll see. I think that's a reasonable number. Let's actually, I have the video we just uploaded of exactly what Kathy Wood said. It's like a minute. So she has a even a different premise so we can- uh, We went to a bear base and bull case. So our bull case is it's 1.5 million. The base case- uh, is six hundred? I think it's six hundred and twenty-five thousand, something like that. Yeah. Now, one reason we've actually internally our confidence has increased towards the bull case mm -hmm. is because of what happened during the regional bank crisis in March. What happened? 
Bitcoin, so as regional banks are going bankrupt and, and the stocks are imploding across the board for the KRE, uh, Bitcoin rallied from 19,000 to 30,000. Why did that happen? That was a flight to safety. That is the insurance policy that we are talking about that we believe everyone will want at the end of the day. Insurance policy against two things, uh, confiscation of wealth, either directly uh, or by inflation, or uh, in the deflation world, what is the what is it a hedge against? Right. It's a hedge against counterparty risk. Uh, we won't do. We won't have an 0809 with Bitcoin. Everything is decentralized and transparent. No obfuscation. Yeah, I mean, so she makes the different case. Obviously, she believes it's because banks will fail. But uh, uh, what I find interesting is that she has a case for both deflation and inflation here that's bullish for Bitcoin. Yeah, look, and and I actually agree with, with what she's saying in the sense that um, we have for 800 years-ish uh, been ruled by this system. And I, and I used to tell the story, Scott, it's funny, I, I just got back from uh, a vacation. I took a, a long vacation for the first time in a long time, and it was awesome. We went to, to Spain and Portugal. And for years, I had talked about, and I think even with you on the show, I've talked about, you know, the Medici's 800 plus years ago invented fractional reserve banking. And they borrowed, aka stole, as Picasso said, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Uh, they stole from some monks this idea. Now, I didn't know until a couple weeks ago when I was in Portugal that those monks were the Knights Templar, that these Portuguese monks, the Order of Christ, the Knights Templar, you know, the the cross that, here's the crazy thing, Scott. Once you hear this story, everywhere you look, there's the cross. Oh, everywhere. That that That's happened what, to me after I watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but, but every monument, every little sidewalk, little inscription, every, you know, every Portuguese flag, every... Everything, like every football coat of arms, like Barcelona's coat of arms has the order of Christ right there. So nice Templar everywhere. But but this this fractions or banking system, it's not the devil that everybody thinks it is. It's just fragile and it's subject to abuse. And I've used the example all the time. In the old days, I lent you money. I wrote down in my ledger. I kept the ledger because uh, I was the rich guy. You, you needed the money. And I wrote down, you owe me hundred bucks. You come back to pay me hundred bucks. I've tampered with my ledger. You show up with your 110 to pay me back. And I'm like, oh, but Scott, it says right here, you owe me 200. And you had no recourse because there was no other ledger. So the Medici's, borrowing the Knights Templar, uh, said, okay, Scott, you keep a ledger. Mark, you keep a ledger. And we, the benevolent Medici's, for a small fee, will arbitrate that the ledgers match. But here's the thing. They're corruptible. And I'm a corrupt guy. So I go to the Knights. I mean, I go to the Medici's. And I say, you know what? Scott owes me 100, but I'm going to change it to 200 and I'll give you half. They're like, done. So you come back to pay me 100 and the book says 200 and you're like, hey guys, it's 100. And they're like, Scott, you, you must have written it down wrong. I'm sorry. And so you have to pay 200. And so for years, the system has been corrupted and we've seen lots of examples from the spoofing and the fines. My, my favorite stat on that is the fines paid by the global banks. The fines, not not the malfeasance, not the money laundering, not the the fines that they've admitted to and paid 
equals the market cap of Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing stat. And that's a little outdated because I think it's only 500 billion and now we're up to 700 billion. But still, $500 billion is a lot of money to pay for malfeasance. And so now we have this triple entry accounting system and that, that Kathy discusses this decentralized system where we don't have to rely on the Medici's or the Morgans or the Rothschilds or anybody else. It's just you and me and this global decentralized network that is immutable and permanent that we don't have to debate and we don't need anybody else. Like if I want to send you money right now, you have to have a bank account. I have to have a bank account. We pay a fee wire transfer fee or whatever. and But that's antiquated technology. That's an old system. In the new world, this is the other, this is the other cool thing I learned. In 1492, there was no new world. Right? Where we're sitting today was forest and trees and not a lot of stuff. And Queen Isabella, the first venture capitalist, gave Christopher Columbus and, well, and uh, Vasco da Gama, he went to India and Christopher went, thinking he was going to India, went to the new world. Long story short, she was the first first venture capitalist. Why? Because she took 20% of what they carried back, carried interest. I love that. And, you know, the the, the Spanish and the Portuguese were were rich for a long time. They were the, they were the sound universe. Portuguese was the first world reserve currency, then the Spanish when they took over. And it's like, how could that happen? Well, it's because there was nothing here. There was nothing. And something I never thought about. This is a kind of cool stat or cool little uh, thing. The horse, the cow, the pig, the chicken, all of them, not endemic to North and South America. The potato, not from Ireland. The tomato, not from Italy. Those are from South America and all the other stuff. And it all came through Seville, Spain in you know, late 1400s. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, I've got an article here that has some handsome guy on the front. It's you. <laughs> Bitcoin rally will lead to speculative blow off top in 2024, Mark Yusko predicts. So while we're here talking about prices, and I love everything you said, this obviously means that you have something in mind as to what will happen. But is this based on the halving cycle? Is this based on what you're seeing? In the yeah. So you're driving no, 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 sort of blow off top in the tail end of 2024. Of course. And, and look, headlines, you know, you even got, you even somebody tweeted one this morning about your headline. Like, come on. Yeah. All headlines are clickbait. That, that's the whole point. You're trying to get people to come. And, but the headline is, is not the point. The point was there's a four-year cycle and there's going to be a four-year cycle because it's coded into Bitcoin. Every four years, the block rewards get cut in half. And therefore, one of two things has to happen. Either a large number of the miners have to go bankrupt because their costs are basically fixed, or the price has to rise. And that's a pretty cool thing because what happens is as the price rises, it attracts attention, right? Movement attracts attention, right? And like if if someone, like if my son or daughter were to, you know, move across the, the frame in the back, I, I would look because that's what, you know, we hunters do and we follow movement. And so what happens every four years is we have these these seasons. And today we're in crypto summer. Well, what is crypto summer? Summer is the period leading up to the halving, the year before the halving. And what does that mean? Well, that means we drift from below fair value 
Okay. Now, why are we below Fahrenheit? Well, because we had winter two seasons ago that pushes the price down. Well, why does winter happen? Well, because people freak out because of the parabolic top in the previous fall. And then we go through spring, which is kind of the, the bottoming process. That ended, I think, from June to June. And now we're back in summer. Well, if the, the Metcalf's Law model that Tim Peterson, that I use, says fair value is 55K, investors, people who buy things below fair value, that's what an investor is supposed to do, would be accumulating Bitcoin here, right? If the price is 30 and the fair value is 55, you would be a buyer. So as that happens, it, it slowly accretes toward fair value. When the halving occurs, suddenly the price has to rise a little faster. Well, now that draws in speculators. Well, what are speculators? Speculators are people that don't care about the fair value. They don't care about the price. They just, they just want to make money. So they're drawn to the movement. Well, it, so in the fall of the cycle, okay, the year following the halving, what you get is increasing velocity and increasing interest. The media comes in, you got lots of clickbait, and suddenly it starts to go parabolic. Well, here's what happened. Toward the end of that cycle, that, that fall period, you get the leverage. And the leverage is what call, causes the parabola. And that's true of every... Look what's happening in stocks right now. Why are stocks going like this? Why is NVIDIA going like this? Leverage and short selling and short recovering. That, that's what it is. There's no chance that NVIDIA is worth, in terms of value, its current price. It, I agree. It's not possible. Not mathematically it's possible. possible. It's a great company. They make great products. They're going to sell a lot of chips to people thinking that AI is going to change the world, even though AI is not new. It's a 55-year-old overnight success story. And you know we're all not going to be replaced by ChatGPT. I got news for you. But, but that's not the point. The point is leverage, margin debt, is accelerating again. And so leverage is causing prices to be crazy. So we're in a parabolic blow-off peak in stocks, I believe. And we will have another parabolic blow-off peak kind of late 2024. Having happens April, May. By the end of that year, later. we'll be in the parabolic. And look, in the previous peaks, fair value was X. We got to two, three, four times Fair, fair value was probably where we're at now at that in the last cycle. Should have been in the 30s. Probably. Maybe 40. And that's my point. Is what fair value, when we hit 60, the model said fair value was 20. It, oh, it wow. had been up to 30 and it had fallen to 20. Because remember, transaction volume fell and everyone was afraid. And yeah. And so and so we got to 3x. Because of the crazy Binance, 100 times leverage and all the stupid stuff. And, and that's fine. In the previous cycle in, in um, uh, 2017, we got to two times fair, fair value was 10. We got to 20. Okay, that's fine. So this time, fair value will accrete, according to the model, if, if things stay the way they are, fair value will accrete to around 100K by the half. Okay, well, why is that? That well, means we go to 300 because we get leverage. <laughs> well, no, and, and again, I think yeah, the leverage is smaller yeah. this time. I don't, I don't think we get to three, but could we could we go to two? Sure. But that's- Do you think that the ETF, if it gets a- uh, ETF is obviously part of this argument, even outside of the, the having. If we see a BlackRock ETF approved, but do you think that that could actually smash volatility down? 
I mean, there's an argument to be made that, uh, you know, you get an ETF, you get Wall Street control, and then all of a sudden this becomes a very boring investable asset class. Goes up a couple percent and turns into gold. A hundred percent, but not overnight. The first thing first, we would see that massive move. Oh my God. A year. No, 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 no. That's just supply and demand, right? Because you got the hodlers who are going to hodl. They're not selling. Here's the, here's the funny thing. Everybody's like, oh, there are excess buyers in the market. Oh, there are excess sellers in the market. No, there's not. There's always an equal number of buyers and sellers. Every transaction, in every security, in every asset, in every commodity, in every everything, always has to be a buyer and a seller. I cannot just buy stuff out of thin air. Right? Now, if I were the Fed, I could create money out of thin air, but I can't buy stuff out of thin air. So this, this idea that if an ETF, not if, when the BlackRock ETF is approved, the BlackRock ETF will be approved. There is no question in my mind that will be approved. Everybody says, well, but the other ones are ahead of them. I don't care. They will not be approved. The BlackRock will be approved. After that, maybe someone else will get approved just so they can kind of cover their tracks. But BlackRock's going to get approved. So that's going to cause increasing demand. There is a finite supply. So there's the first finite supply, meaning there's only going to ever be 21 million and there won't even be 21 million because there's been some that's lost or stolen. You got the Satoshi wallet. It's never going to move. You got all kinds of stuff. So that and the incremental change in in Bitcoins by some estimates is about 10, 11 percent of, of the coins. If hundreds of billions, which I, I think is a reasonable estimate, comes into the market, okay? And we're talking, let's say 200 billion comes in and there's only 60 billion of available supply for sale, price will rise. That That's just supply and demand, right? You shift the, you shift the demand curve, the price will rise. That will cause more people to come in that will cause some leverage, but I think this time the leverage won't be as great because the scrutiny of the regulators, it's just not as, it's not as readily available, even at the very, yeah. I mean, say you, you can't even find it. I mean, speaking of regulators, I don't know if you saw this, uh, that uh, Richie Torres from New York wrote a letter to the SEC to Gary Gensler, which is interesting because people think Democrats are like hate crypto for some reason. I think uh, we just get that narrative from the one very far side uh, on each side. But basically said, you know, he's writing to inquire if the SEC intends to come to terms with the folly of the commission's crusade against crypto assets in light of the latest decision by Judge Annalisa Torres of the Southern District of New York. By the way, the judge in the Coinbase case uh, works in the same building and is friends with this judge. And uh, I'm sure that they have lunch together and casually talk about these things. Yeah. But he went, on, he went on as far as to say that the latest court decision establishes a clear rule that should bear the name of Judge Torres, who has brought long overdue legal clarity to the chaos of crypt- crypto regulation. The Torres Doctrine, as I call it, his name also Torres, so convenient, uh, all the crypto assets are not securities in themselves, but can be sold as part of investment contracts, which do qualify as securities under the Howey test. Okay, listen. Do you think from what you've seen about the Ripple case that we now have clarity and it's because we, you know, Warren Davidson, who's a a hardcore Republican, retweeted this. I think we have more confusion, but we have a narrative of clarity for the next year and a half or two until they appeal. So that's what we have. We have. We have clarity. One percent, two percent, three percent. I don't know. We have we have some clarity. Like reading diamonds. (laughs) 
Yeah, but but we have clarity on 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 a principle. So I I, I like the the idea of a doctrine or a principle. We do have clarity on this issue of look the issuance of Ripple and and other things in in ICOs clearly security that I think now now we have clarity on that okay? yeah that's and and some people are going to pay some fines and and you know, the funny thing is they said well it could be up to seven hundred million dollars of 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 fines like you know Garlinghouse and and the and the and the foundation are like. Because if if you own twenty billion or something, and you got to pay seven hundred million, that's a good day. Uh, a billion dollar fine that's for like an average. That's an average gold spoofing year for J.P. Morgan. Yes, yes they yes. pay a nine hundred million dollar fine and they make twenty billion. They're like, ooh, it's cost of doing business five percent. I'm done. I, I I would sign that all day. Um, and they don't have to admit guilt. This is my favorite part. These people never have to admit guilt. They just pay. If you pay a billion dollars, you're guilty. Right, you wouldn't pay a billion dollars if you weren't guilty, but they don't have to admit guilt because that's the messed up system we have. But so we have clarity on that. What we don't have clarity on, oh no, we also have clarity on that the transactions between people like you and me or others on exchanges aren't securities. Okay, that that's actually good clarity because nor should they be, and because we were we were going down a, a crazy path. Where every you know this this whole thing where Genzer was like anything that you buy with an expectation of an increase in value is a security. I'm like, oh okay, I got a problem now. So my house is now a security. So we got to register those Jordans I bought on eBay that I think might be worth fifty dollars more. You know, if I don't wear them, my look there it is. I I have a pretty decent collection. My my. 12 year old and I play a lot of Pokemon. So sure. I, I, there it is, expect some value to those. And, you know, um, and, but the idea that, you know, I have a stamp collection now is that us. And now I got to go, you know, I got to find a registered philatelist, which sounds like a terrible, I mean, it's like one of the, you know, craziest words. Philatelist is, it's a crazy word. No, it's a crazy word. But so I, I think we're, we're getting better clarity. And look, Gary, I shouldn't call him Gary, Chairman Gensler, has has a goal, right? And he's had a goal since he was installed. Remember, he was installed. By Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, the big guy, they, they put him in there to do a certain thing. And that was on the instruction of, you know, the incumbents who fund all these people. And look, I get it. That's what incumbents have been doing forever. They use regulation to slow down disruption. No problem with that. That's how it works. But in the end, better technology always wins. Last time, you know, I, I watched uh, 1883. I don't know if you watched it or yet. You know, the prequel to Yellowstone. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, a little outlandish and, you know, but, but, but amazing. And with these people getting on a wagon... And going two thousand miles, you know, through the middle of nowhere. When was the last time you rode a horse and buggy? I uh, not the buggy, but I've ridden a horse, you know, okay, seven times, a horse. maybe a man. Yeah, but I but, wouldn't want to do it for more than twenty minutes. Exactly, but but you know, for for some reason, that's not our normal mode of transportation. I mean, I took a horse and buggy ride on my vacation. 
just like you can in New York City. But that is not the, there are more cars than horse and buggies. And when was the last time you got on a ship with sails and cruised across the Atlantic to go to Europe? That doesn't happen anymore either. We now have these things called airplanes. And so better technology always wins. And so here's, here's my problem with, with all of this, right? The 1933 Act and the 1940 Act were created in 1933 and 1940. It is now 2023. So we're talking about 90-year-old technology, 90-year-old regulations that people are trying to stuff this new age technology into. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's kind of like why this, this, this constant holding on by by the incumbents to say, no, 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 we, we need fiat. Why? Why? Right? Gold, okay, is money. Then Fed wire, okay, sits on top of that. So the Fed is enabled the creation of currency. Well, what is that good for? What is fiat good for? You know, um, off the chain capital, you know, Brian Estes and those guys, they yeah. hosted a webinar yesterday and and Robert Kennedy came on and you know, I'm 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 not endorsing him as a candidate. I mean, I like him. I, I think he stands for a lot of good stuff. I see his position on Bitcoin is is awesome. But but he he said something that was really important. And I say this all the time. So agreeing with you know, he, the fact that we agree, I'm 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 liking. But but he said that what fiat does, the whole purpose of it is to create income and wealth inequality. It's why it was created by the Rothschilds in the 1600s and then by the Bank of England in the 1800s and by the Fed in the 1900s. And for the last 110 years, the Fed, which is neither federal nor has any reserves, has done exactly its job. It's created the largest income and wealth inequality in the history of mankind. Now, you could also say, but in that period, we've taken the greatest number of people out of abject poverty and made people's lives better. 100%. Not because of fiat. I will argue because of fractional reserve banking. Oh, what are you talking about? Fractional reserve banking is awful. Reapothecation is terrible. No, 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 no. Name a country with a absent or poor fractional reserve banking system that you would live in. I'll wait. Can't do it. Can't do it. So fiat is the problem, not banking. Fiat is the problem because fiat can be created out of thin air at a punch of a button now. You used to have to go to a printing press and actually print the money. Now you can just punch a button and you devalue the thing that everybody uses to make their life. I, I took my family to the ice cream place yesterday, last night. $6 for a single ice cream cone. Now do for international flights. Well, no, 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 exactly. It's in sex. It's in Topsail Beach, North Carolina. This is not yeah. New York City. This is not London. This is, and and I get it. They're trying to make a living. And you know, this woman is, you know, it's hot, and 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 she's slogging ice cream, and it's good ice cream. She makes it every day, and I'll pay it gladly. But it's not easy. I mean, that's a lot of money. For a, for a scoop of ice cream on a cone. So why is that happening? Well, it's because 
under the guise of lockdowns and all that stuff, the MMT crowd, the cult of Kelton, did the unthinkable. They created half of all the dollars in the history of our republic. That's the one thing about going to Europe that I love. We're so young. America's just so young. I mean, we're like you go to Lisbon, Portugal, which I would move to tomorrow, by the way, mostly because they don't tax. Awesome town. Oh my God. It's uh, unbelievable. But the thing is, it's San Francisco. I mean, they have the Bay Bridge. It's the same bridge, right? Same architect, same color. They have the Bay Bridge. They have cable cars. They have the hills. They have, but they have 800-year-old castles and 600-year-old buildings. So it's just, it's just the nicer, more mature version of, of what we have here. But what, what we forget is we're a young country. But even in that, in that youth, we're now 247 years old. Okay, 247 years, half the money was created up to 2020. Half the money was created since then. So it's, it's logical that the price of everything is rising. Not because the things are getting better, like that ice cream's not better. It's because the money is worse. And that's the thing of Bitcoin. It was like, oh, you know, Kathy says, Bitcoin went up from 19 to 30. Mm-hmm. One Bitcoin, still one Bitcoin. What happened is the dollar went down. The dollar is getting less valuable. And what, what, what I, I think is interesting is, you know, people forget there's never been a bear market in Bitcoin in Venezuela, in Argentina, in Turkey, because those currencies, whew, talk about devaluation. Those people know how to devalue. Yeah. Gives a lot to think about. <clears throat> now you make me want to go to Lisbon. That's what it really gives me to think about. Oh, uh, Scott, let, let, you know what we should do? We should do an event. We should do like a, a a big event and and just get all the people that watch the show and come to the the spaces and we should all go to. I mean, Lisbon is it's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. It's awesome. Well, since we were talking about de- dollar devaluation, now we're going to take a look at some charts with uh, Christopher Inks, who I know loves to talk about uh, the dollar the dollar dropping. Mark, thank you as usual, especially uh, showing up when you're uh, not even home and in the office. Oh, no, no, no. I just glad the internet worked. Nobody, and, uh, nobody I'd rather listen to. All right. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of the day. And uh, we'll see you in spaces later in the week. And Indeed. Later, man. Thank you. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about that very de-dollar, uh, devaluation of the dollar. Not really devaluation, but it certainly has been dropping. I got Christopher Inks. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How are you? Enjoy the history lesson from the wings. Oh man, always a good time, right? Yeah, Mark, man, I'm like, we've got the Rothschilds, we got monks, the Medici's, we got some for everybody. Well, well, some for the kids, some for the <laughs> kids, man. Well, let's take a look now at the charts, though. Obviously, and listen, I don't know what you got pulled up, but uh, you know, guys, every Wednesday we do this, Chris and I, and we talk about what we're looking at in the market. What are your broad strokes right now? Has anything changed, kind of, in the last uh, couple weeks? Not much for me. Not really, man. No, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at um, at uh, the dollar here. This is the dollar futures uh, on the ICE exchange. But, uh, man, you know, we had this uh, 154 days of sideways, uh, which I've kind of looked back there on this larger time frame. It looks like a triangle. So we'll give that a wave four. Uh, you know, that gives us minimum expected 97.215 as a wave five target. 
But at that point, all I would expect is a rally back up toward wave four here again and then further down. Um, it's, you know, it's possible this could be an A and then B is a triangle and C, but, you know, we're still looking down toward 90 then, even in that case, um, if we're doing that, which, which takes us back down to where we, you know, where we began this rally back, you know, way back over here when I said it looks like the bottom's in down here, um, you know, we'd still be looking to go down there, so. Uh, overall, I think we've got further downside. It looks like right now we're getting a bit of a bounce. Uh, that hourly pivot yeah, it's just a bit higher here. But uh, you can yeah, see looking at the weekly and we've got yeah, I'm looking at the weekly and we've got potential tweezers. It looks like here, so it'll be interesting to see how the week. But I think we just broke down. We go back up, like you said, kind of retest this area and then then yeah. drop. But that that yeah. does look a little bottomy uh, if you're just looking at those two candles potentially. Well, at the bottom here, also looking down here, RSI. Uh, has not quite dipped down and oversold yet, neither is Stoke RSI. So I'm kind of waiting for that to happen, I think, really, for the weekly to kind of say, okay, I think we get this bounce. But, um, you know, the, the at the end of the day, that weekly pivot is what you're looking at. And as long as that thing's holding his resistance, uh, we'll look for rejection, you know, and continue on down lower. I don't see anything going on with the, uh, with the dollar right now that's going to say this should be, you know, gaining some strength. CPI, some, you know, big surprise to the downside. I say big surprise. It's not really. Core CPI was a big surprise. Yes. Yeah. Core CPI was great. Uh, but even even the uh, headline CPI, I mean, that was still expected. That went down, you know, from four to three. I mean, you know, they were they were already looking at three point one. It didn't even miss that. It went three. So, I mean, you know, Fed's looking for two. Uh, we're at three. Headline, uh, you know, with headline, but core 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 was coming down. Core did well last time. So, you know, jobs missed pretty big there. Everybody got excited. ADP numbers came out that Thursday. Uh, we're saying, oh, you know, 500,000 jobs, which would have been twice the expectation. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that on Twitter. I said, you know, most often they're wrong. They're they're not even close. And, yeah, they were off. We didn't even get the, you know, we only got like, what, 209,000. So, you know, job growth is slowing. CPI is pulling back. People are still spending, though. People are still spending. So I feel like they're going to run out of money soon, though. Maybe I uh, overestimate the uh, wealth that people have accumulated during the pandemic and, and after, but... I keep saying this. It feels like we're having this like one last hurrah summer and like every tourism, like airplanes, hotels, food, they're gouging people just to death, like to just get their last shot at them. And now everybody's going to realize that their credit cards are blown up. We go into the fall and all of a sudden consumer spending dies. But hey, that's just my theory. Hey, you know, it could happen, right? It could happen. Uh, but as long as as long as the U.S. consumer spending, you know, I, I, bl I believe it's something like 70% of GDP is is consumer spending. So, um, you know, as long as they're, as long as they're spending, it, it's hard to really get to what we would call a, you know, a recession. So we'll see what happens. You know, do we do we take that final hit and I'll be sucking wind at that point? Or, you know, is is it did, did we power our way through it and we're continue up higher? I mean, Let's take uh -oh. a look though at Bitcoin because I mean we're sitting at thirty thousand, right? And we would have expected in the past when we add more of a correlation or a correlation narrative that with this much dollar weakness we would see Bitcoin flying right now. And then also you would have expected that after a move that Bitcoin made from twenty five thousand to thirty one thousand effectively in a week, in past markets if we had this kind of sideways consolidation we would have seen altcoins going nuts. And so we're not getting yeah. some of the echoes of the past is what I'm getting at. Well, you know, and but I mean, you know, if we look at it, the whole thing from the, the top down to the bottom was kind of a bit different. You know, we had the, the double top, uh, which we which we haven't had before, you know, and that extended things a certain way. 
I mean, ultimately, from the all-time high to the November low, it was about a year, which was, you know, when it ended there in November, you know, we usually get those those uh, reverses around uh, November, December of the year. So, I mean, all that kind of came in there. At this point, uh, you know, we're going sideways. We had this strong rally up, so that's why we're going sideways. You know, you've seen it everywhere else. Um, you know, when you get that strong move up, it kind of does sideways. Uh, we've hit this area up here multiple times all through here. So, you know, we're, we're constantly kind of nipping away higher. A little bit higher will do it, and then, we, you know, if we pop out above that, you know, we should be rallying up toward, you know, 40,000 or something like that. Um, I, I think pretty easily. I, I don't see a lot of uh, maybe resistance in there. You know, there's a lot of just large candles kind of coming down here. So you have to have yeah. 38, 40,000 at least for a pop. And then that gives people some some support, some hope that it goes up higher, you know, and people start buying, people hold a bit more. Back to 30. <laughs> Do what? I've been back to 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, my, my thought is everybody's kind of looking a bit lower down, but man, you know, if we get this pop up through here, uh, I think this holds a support. This uh, uh, That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, I'll call it 32 when I said back to 30. I mean, yeah, when you zoom in here on this range, maybe, and I was looking for this. I, I thought when we got rejected here, hey, we were going to sweep the low. So now do we think we just now that's enough fuel? I guess this is the question that I'm asking, right? I thought maybe we go on to like 28.6, a more macro sort of larger time frame support. But I mean, we've seen, we, we, we headed at least to the back of the range every time we've been down here and every time we'd be at the top, we've gone to the bottom. So is this just like, was this simply another liquidity grab on the way back up to 31 something? And then we'll see. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing I like about it, um, I was going to talk on your chart there, but I'll pull mine up yep. here. <laughs> uh, here you go. Um, Good. I got it. Yeah, we'll pop up here. Uh, the one thing I like about, you know, kind of doing this sideways here is that uh, th this year's hourly chart, you see that volume's dropping off the entire way, right? So that's yeah. the first thing. As, as, the, as the range continues to expand, continues to get through four, four weeks here, that volume, those volume spikes are getting smaller, smaller, overall volume decrease. That's what we want to see, you know, if we've got an accumulation or a reaccumulation area. Uh, importantly, this drop right here, again, uh, volume just dropping off, you know, if, if this, you know, usually the first thing you look for, if this is going to break down through the, the swing low, you, you're usually looking for that volume to pick up. You want to see, you know, consistent selling all the way down through it, but we don't really have that. We, we have very little, especially as we kind of started getting down toward these lows here, you know, lesser and lesser volume compared to as, as we were here and here. So to me, that that's that's compelling. That's um, potentially uh, you know a good thing we're kind of seeing there. But ultimately, you know, guys, you have to remember we are range bound, right? Um, so if you didn't buy here, it's a small, might be a bit it's difficult. A small here, range, too. Here. Yeah, and it's a small range. I mean, you know, this is for for to be uh, between you know, basically in like a fifteen hundred dollar range for over a month in Bitcoin or around a month. That's pretty sideways. Yeah, yeah, but but you know we haven't broken down yet, and I think that's I think that's another really important thing to look at there. Um, so it's constructive for further upside, but we definitely need to see the movement. You know, you want to see an impulsive breakout above this uh, hourly pivot. Um, you know, and then and then that heads up, right? And then we head up, and if we're breaking out through the top there, uh, you know, you're looking way up here again. Wave Circle Three's got that forty three thousand three eighty kind of target up there, um, which gives us this larger one, two, three, four, five up here around 54,000. Now, might we make it up there? So what'll happen? 
if we get up here to 49,000 and that's as far as it goes and it pulls back, some chucklehead or two are going to say, oh, look, you were so stupid. You were so And I'm like, but look, it went up to, you know, 49,000 and you're being an idiot, right? But, you know, there's, there's just so much hate. There's so much saltiness. There's so much fear uh, in the market still. And people just aren't interested in really putting any real long in it. And that's the problem. That's why people, you know, they, they want to do this but they wait until we get to new all-time highs before they're actually getting in with any kind of size instead of down here, you know, at the bottom, which is where you should be entering, right? This is where you should be entering if you're looking for that multi, you know, whatever, 10X or whatever runs. Uh, you know, if, if, you're on, if you're on a shitcoin 100-time run, right, you got to get down at the lows. The further you wait for that thing to continue going up to convince you that it's, that it's bottomed out, you know, the less you're going to get on that run. It's just the way it is. 16K was pretty cheap Bitcoin. What do you make of this uh, bearish divergence on the daily? Obviously, I think it's largely played out, but you had the one here, and then obviously it's drawn as one. one right, right. right. Yeah. And we never really got the hittish bullet divergence, but it is bouncing right at 50 on RSI here. Compelling, very much so, yeah. I mean, I think the the breakdown there from that last uh, bearish divergence, I think, uh, has a good likelihood of having played out. Uh, okay. So... You know, again, like you said, it's it's chopping right there, neutral on uh, what is that RSI you got there? Yeah, and what's yeah. interesting, I mean, you're talking about thirty-one thousand, only down to about twenty-nine thousand eight reset RSI from seventy-two all the way to fifty. Yeah. Usually, to get a twenty-two RSI drop on the daily, you would be talking about like a ten, fifteen, twenty percent move. Yeah, right. That's exactly. kind of a small move, so it's really not that impactful. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's resetting while, while they're just kind of moving back a little bit. And again, you know, it just adds to the whole narrative, you know, is there, a, you know, is it is that bottom potentially right there? You know, are we doing just this flat correction right here, ready to kind of ramp up? And I think if it does, I think that's going to catch a lot of people off guard, um, yeah. you know, because they're all looking for that further downside. Worst case, you know, the worst case scenario, I think, honestly, right now, let's say we lose this right here. All that says is, one is done, two is in progress. Maybe we'll pull back 70 and a half down here to the weekly pivot at 26,750. But that's just a one, two, and then you're off. So you got a one, two, one, two, and then one. It's two. just a higher low. It's just another higher low. I mean, yeah, yeah. Until, until you're losing, you know, minimally this, you know, this 24 change here. Why are you even thinking about low? Makes no sense. Everybody out there, oh, listen, if it drops $10, it's going to 12. What the hell? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, XRP is popping today again uh, at 80 cents, but I kind of hinted at the fact that we usually see this consolidation in Bitcoin and we get these crazy altcoin moves and it's still kind of just been muted. Yeah. Um, Are you looking at XRP at all? I, I do have an XRP chart. Yeah, I've, I've got, uh, let me see here. Here real quick. I mean, that was that, that move was crazy. 45 cents to 90 oh, cents. I mean, we had it going up, but um, I was not looking. <laughs> I was not looking toward a dollar at that time. You know. You mean that the day that we didn't know uh, that the court decision would finally come in, it would be so favorable. Yeah, I guess sometimes yeah, you get yeah. a bigger move on the news than you expect. But yeah, yeah, you know, we we had that we had that move. We we're looking for a move up, but again, not quite that high. I think uh, you know we're looking here. It looks like it may be just about ready to break out. If it breaks out above that 81.95 kind of area, uh, I think that suggests that wave four is done over here instead of coming down a bit further here. Uh, and then we're looking up here, you know, $1.18. Well, let me see from here. Uh, get us a target up there at around 
Yeah, around right around dollar eighteen or so. Um, yeah, and I think that that'll get us one up off the bottom, and then we'll pull back. Um, but I mean, that's still got a bit more juice left in it. This looks like a way three. It's big, large, you know, big, large candle spreads, large spike of volume. I mean, that looks like wave three pretty clearly there. You can see we pull back just beyond 38.2, which is a wave four, you know, potentially ABC done there, WXY. So, yeah, looking forward to keep pushing up here and then looking forward to potentially head up there toward 118. Are there any other altars specifically looking at at the moment? Uh, well, I've got a couple here. I've got, um, I like Maker here. Um, been hearing a lot of people. I, I haven't looked at it, but it's I'm definitely noticing a buzz about it on Twitter. MKR, yeah. About what? About Maker? Yeah, I just keep seeing it uh, passively mentioned. You know, it should grab my attention when all of a sudden I see a bunch of people talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's this long-term breakout. We got that large candle spread, large spike of volume. We've got what appears to be uh, accumulation down here when we look at that volume and price action. Um, uh, again, if we're looking at this, I, I think this is kind of building this wave four here. I think we get a move up maybe to around 1275 or so. Uh, and then further up here, you know, and then we'll pull back kind of into this triangle here and then maybe up there around 1655. But I think overall, you know, we kind of get this movement back and then we end up here around 3180. But overall, you know, if we're hitting 3180, we should be looking at new all-time highs, I think. Um, pretty much when we're looking at that, I, I, I just think, you know, that's kind of setting it up there to do that. So I like that as far as uh, Maker goes. Again, looking for a bit movement up, pull back, and then ultimately up here around 3180. And then if we get there, probably a new all-time high. Um, I've got all-time highs. Well, there's a lot of coins I'm waiting. I got a lot of coins I'm waiting for new all-time highs. So let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, again, great-looking reaccumulation range going on here. Looks like this might be the low. We won't get a spring. Looks like just a last point of support. Broke out through that... Um, the yellow resistance right there. Uh, if we pop up above the swing high right, right here around that, uh, what is that, about 19 cents or so, 1870, uh, I think that gets us up there around 2750 toward the top of the range. Um, and ultimately, uh, I think that does lead out and take us up through the uh, the weekly pivot here at 62.44. And I would be looking probably closer up here around $2.75 maybe. Something like that. Um, and, and once again, if we get up there, ten and fifteen X's, I like it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's set up great for for some more run. You know. Um, other I'll than that, one more. Drug. I don't think I've ever never seen clay. I don't know if I've ever it shows I'm a boomer or something, but I don't think I've even never heard that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and one more, another great reaccumulation oh, right here. I mean, good. volume price action. This is Comp USDT. Um, you know, you had this large, look at this volume here, just taking it up and out through the range here, retest the range support. I, you know, I think we had up. That's literally exactly what you were, that's exactly what you were talking about earlier, by the way, for people who are paying attention. It was the other way. You were saying you would want to see massive volume selling all the way from the top of the range to the bottom. This is just the opposite with the massive volume buying from the bottom of the range to the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, through the range, you've got volume dropping off. Again, that's what you want to see. Uh, generally, when you've got accumulation, reaccumulation going on, you want to see that lack of selling, um, you know, or the selling just dying off as the range develops. And then when you get that spring or that LPS, like we we're talking about the last one, then you want to see these moving, these larger candlesticks. You want to see these uh, large volume coming through it. Uh, you know, I think we get up here at 217. Like I said, I think we kind of maybe move back, pull back, and then break out through that, uh, really through that weekly pivot. But ultimately, looking at 217.30 there as a starting point, 
once again, we get there, that gets us back above that kind of support resistance area. And I think at that point, it just it's a setup for, uh, you know, a breakout higher. I think there's a lot of great opportunities right now uh, for people that, you know, can handle the the ups and downs along the way and have the patience to kind of hold it for a bit. Yeah, I agree. Anything else before we go? I know we're here we are, as usual, right at the end of the time. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I think that's good. There's the kind of three ones I kind of look at the moment here. And then, of course, you know, again, really oh, great. Uh, you know, Bitcoin and the dollar watch and link. I mean, you know, we can say link. I've been talking about link forever today. Uh, what's not people, they should be buying it there when they did that little dip down to $5. Uh, yeah, and here we are at 680. And I think yeah, yesterday yeah, it was up at 730. What, 725 or so already? Yeah. Um, so we're getting ready to see the same breakout we saw with uh, with comp there where we've got this nice big move out. So um, I think link still continues to look good. I'm still, I'm still a fan of Litecoin. Talked about that back in October at around 50. Um, looking for that one to take off. Uh, you know, Ethereum, same thing. Op, I think it's probably optimism. We're bullish, from- guys. We're bullish here. Bullish around here. <laughs> Got it. No reason not to be at the moment. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Just look at, just just read the charts. Thank you, man. Guys, everyone, of course, follow TX West Capital on Twitter. Check out uh, the Discord group. What's the website now? Uh, is it? Uh, TexasWest.Capital. TexasWest.Capital. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. So guys, go check that out. Because uh, you know Chris mentored me. He could probably uh, do a pretty good job with you. If he could take this mush brain and turn it into something functional, then uh, you guys should be good. Thank you, Chris. Man, I'll see you uh, next week for sure. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Later. All right, everybody. Got to move on to Twitter spaces in 17 minutes. Uh, we're doing something different there. We don't usually do really like markets on Twitter spaces, but Rand was pretty passionate. They wanted to talk altcoins. So we got a whole bunch of your favorite... Uh, Twitter personalities and traders coming over there probably to, I don't know, argue about stuff. But uh, if you like to hear people potentially argue, uh, this might be place for you. Actually, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be full of alpha. Looking forward to it. See you guys there. Bye. See you tomorrow.